Welcome to a dying podcast. My name is Nils. Today I'm back in my, I wouldn't call it my home studio because it's a living air uh, bedroom, <laughs> but I keep using this as the studio because the acoustic is okay at least. You know, like in MTV Cribs, they uh-huh. always say this is where the magic happens. Yeah. And this is actually where the magic happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In more than one sense. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I guess it's perfect <laughs> yeah. to be in here. This is, and we're sitting on the floor uh, on meditation pillows, cushions, Cushion, yeah. cushions, which I thought was fitting because um, I'm here with you, Frederick Edlund. I was actually curious about how you were going to present me, yeah. who I am to you. Yeah, let's, let me try then yeah, to yeah, do yeah, that. Do and then you get to, to introduce yourself. Yeah. So I remember the first time I met you, that was at Borderland last year mm. so borderland 2018 and we were in the same camp but you were just there for a few days mm. i think you were going to another festival yeah it's true in germany or something yeah. like that and i vividly uh, remember you because there's you know a certain moment in life when you meet a person you haven't met before and you just instantly feel that I want to hang out with this person mm. and i felt that i remember mm. just seeing you or just hearing you speak or something i'm like I want to hang out with this guy Um, because I just, you know, there's just something about your aura, the energy around you. That's uh, in my, to me, it's really Mm. nice. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So, so in one sense, that's who you are to me. And then uh, we've had the opportunity to hang out a bit during this past year and um, perhaps especially doing yoga with you. Mm. It's kind of nice that we moved here to Nacka, where we live now, mm. even more specifically, mm. Salkhubu. Mm. And you just happen to do yoga classes fairly close by, yeah. which is it's good. It's a good thing for us. Yeah, that's good to hear. <laughs> so that's the super, you know, short mm. framing from my end. Mm. But I'm, I'm more curious to hear, and I know you do a lot of different things. So, well, in any way you see fit, who, who mm. are you? <laughs> Did you choose... Do you believe in actual auras? I'm not like, I haven't gone deep into that, that field. Mm. Mm, I definitely believe that everything is energy. Mm. Uh, so there's an energy field around anything mm. and everything. Mm. That to me is, is, is obvious based on both my own experience, but mm. also just like rational yeah. physics yeah. Uh, and that everything has a charge, mm. so to speak. That's why mm. we're attracted to certain things mm. and repelled mm. by other things. That I'm, I'm, mm. I'm no, sure I'm, of. I'm asking because you know, now when it's my turn to <laughs> yeah. present myself, and you know, because in one sense maybe you could say I'm a yogi because I'm, I'm working as a yoga teacher, but I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with calling myself a yogi because there's so many things attached to it mm-hmm. in terms of auras, for example, or star signs, which I don't believe is attached to yoga, uh, but it has become like that. So that's why it's so difficult for me because my peers or my, not peers, what do you say? Colleagues, yep. you could say. Most of them differ, I think, from, from me. I the, think so yeah. too. Having done a lot of yoga and <clears throat> gone to a lot of yoga classes, you do things a little bit differently, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And, but in your... From your perspective, how would you describe that difference? One, because when, when I go to uh, classes, for example, I, I notice that people tend to, or teachers tend to speak about things that I'm, I'm quite sure they haven't really experienced. 
So I'm trying to, what is called like Occam's razor, you know, to just cut things out that I don't believe is being necessary. You know, sometimes you say too much and I try to cut things down uh, from what I speak, you know, only what I experienced myself. Okay. To be fair, maybe people have experienced it. It's just me that I haven't experienced it. But uh, what's an example of that? Example of, well, okay. Uh, the extreme enlightenment, for example, you know, that's being used that term a lot, I think. And sometimes teachers speak about, this is what people say about enlightenment, but sometimes it feels like people are trying to say that they're themselves enlightened in different ways, you know, and I, I wouldn't say that about myself. And I try to be a very, for me, yoga is not uh, physical um, as such, you know, something because, you know, people tend to say, oh yeah, yoga is, has become so, so much about the physical part of it. But I am, you know, because I think that's where we start. So, um, and I try to always start from that point in my classes, you know, that this is a grounded experience where we use our bodies. That's from where we start and then try to build a class around what are we experiencing now and not so much about ideology or even not so much about philosophy in the sense that you speak about concepts and what you could be or what you could experience. I think that makes sense. So speaking from my own personal experience, I started with yoga five years ago and it was one of many tools that I've been using during these five years on what I like to call my own journey, which has been going on since forever, of course, but you know, I've been conscious about it for five years. And uh, yoga initially for me was only the physical thing, mm. primarily. Mm. That's how I got into it. Mm. It felt just felt really good and mm. challenging mm. Uh, to do yoga. And it surprised me. I had a lot of these concepts and ideas around it before I mm. got into it. Mm. And I think that's also to your point, the, it's a double-edged sword in a way, because it, there are good things about that, you know, that well, this is more than just a physical workout or it can be. Mm. And, and it's more of a holistic perspective on you as, mm. a, as a human being where yoga can bring, you know, help you work both on your body and your, and your mind, mm. um, which is, that's really the benefit I'm getting from it. It's mm. becoming this, or for me, it's, it's this mix of physical workout and meditation uh, so it's, it's a little bit of everything yeah. <laughs> wrapped in one package, yeah. but to your point, there are so many of these, uh, you know, words and a n- certain narrative being used. Mm. And I agree with you that a lot of people speak about things that when they speak of them, they don't feel fully true or authentic or coming from them. And mm. I think what happens is that you start dressing yourself in an identity mm. that you want to be, mm. you want to be this enlightened, mm. <laughs> woke, mm. yeah. <laughs> which we talked about just before, yeah. before starting this recording, how, you know, we can talk about the transformation economy or p- more people seeking enlightenment mm. uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, and more people doing meditation and yoga and, mm. and, you know, being, working on being present in the moment, working mm. on taking care of themselves, being more responsible and, and conscious about what they eat and drink. All of these mm. trends is just one and the same trend. Mm. And now we're at the point where it's, it's growing so fast that also the, you know, the humoristic counter reaction mm. is, is coming. So mm. a lot of people, including 
sort of ourselves. Mm. I would say I'm mm. starting to make fun of myself as a yogi, as a burner, yeah. as all of these things. Yeah. And right now I'm using the word woke. For yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. Everything needs to be but why so do fucking we need woke. To do that? Because you know, it, you maybe seen what I do. You know, uh, when I, I'm dressing my work, you know, on yeah. social media, for example. Please describe that for people who haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, yeah, but I'm curious <laughs> what I'm doing here because what you're describing now, maybe I'm doing a little bit the same. I'm creating the, that sort of distance to it, uh, trying to make fun of myself and and what we're doing. What I've mostly been doing is just, you know, making posters. I'm not sure. How would you describe, you know, what I'm... It's, uh, you know... Yeah, it's hard to describe because uh, yeah. uh, this is visual. Yeah. Um, but okay, I'll try to describe it. It's basically you're 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 using a visual art style that, to me, you know, it's 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 internet humor in a way because you it looks like you're putting together like psychedelic posters from the seventies, but you know, not super professionally done. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, yeah. you know, obviously yeah. uh, that's the, the point. That, <laughs> I'm doing know, my best. Though. Yeah, you're doing your best, but <laughs> it comes off as being yeah. really funny because yeah. you're like, you know, it looks, yeah. it, I mean, it's woke. That's yeah. the good, yeah. that's the best word to describe. It's like, I'm so woke. And you yeah. have all of these psychedelic yeah. patterns and weird things going yeah. on in the pictures. I think if, to me, it, it's actually, I think there's a, uh, there's a uh, difference depending on where this comes from. Mm. So when, when, when I, <laughs> when I joke about wokeness, mm. uh, especially with other people uh, in this community on a similar path on a similar journey, it is because I think it's important to make fun of ourselves. Mm. Like we shouldn't take this so mm. fucking seriously. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, um, uh, you can speak of enlightenment, you can speak of waking up, you can speak of, you know, understanding what's important and what's not important yeah. and how everything is uh, made up competition mm. and all of these things. And, and you can go really philosoph- uh, philosophical mm. um, speaking about it, but you need to sort of balance it out with saying, well, actually it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually, yeah. you know, fine. It is my true path, but I also, you know, I need to be able to make fun of myself and look at myself from the outside and say, like Nils, you're, you're, you're a cliche of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of yourself. Yeah. There's actually, but have you, cause I haven't been able to unify this in the way of like, for example, outside the classes, I'm really good at making it humoristic. Yeah. But, but during classes, you know, I want to be sincere, of course, you know, but sometimes I feel I can be too serious during class. I think, you know, and I haven't find the balance there of being, you know, a little bit humoristic and sincere while, you know, teaching, for example. Yeah. Um, so that, maybe that's why I'm doing it outside, you know. But, you know, I, I think it might be, uh, is this once you, when you're new into something, yeah. things tend to be more serious because yeah. you haven't mastered this yet. You haven't really understood what it's about. Yeah. You haven't fully embraced it or, you know, internalized it. Mm. Once you have, you know, like, okay, I... I understand things now. I'm, I'm in this, I got mm. it down. Then you can start to play around with it. Mm. And then I think also the seriousness disappears. Like it's not that important. Something that yeah. I thought was so important at the start of this journey mm. or this, you know, whatever interest it is, uh, I now see it's actually not that important, mm. but I, I had to go through that process yeah. and that's where it ends up. Like, so I mainly joke about this with people that understand what I'm joking about. Mm. Like I wouldn't go to someone who, 
has never had this type of conversation, talked mm. about consciousness or you know the path of one's life or the hero's mm. journey or meditation or anything like mm. that, uh, because they don't have the same references. So I can only joke about this with people who share that that world. But then I, I feel there's also another group of people who joke about this, and they are the ones who are completely outside of the world. I think right. there's a difference there that mm. if you're inside and you joke about it, it's sort of like making fun of yourself or you know mm. having fun on your own behalf, mm. and you understand it, so you can also see that you know you can also look at yourself from the outside. While if it's it's just jokes coming from outside that mm. group. Uh, there tends to be not all the time, of course, mm. but there tends to be just a lack of understanding, mm. and it, I think that there's a difference. So when when yogis joke about yoga, for instance, mm. uh, that's uh, more sort of it comes. I would say it comes from a place of love uh, to a higher degree. While if someone who's like I I'm opposed to yoga, I really don't get it. I'm against the entire thing. I don't even want to touch it, and then mm. I'm going to make fun of people doing it. Mm. That comes from a place of fear because mm. like i don't dare to see this side of myself so i mm. judge you mm. and then that's a projection mm. on the side of myself i don't i'm not in touch with mm. so there's that difference i think that the first example is healthy like when something gets established you need to start questioning it and mm. have fun with it yeah. that's the natural development of things uh, while the second example is 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 less positive because that will just keep a divide mm going i think mm. also making fun of it is a way to bridge it outside of the mm. community or mm. a, a group of people interested mm. in something because when i can speak about what i'm interested in and joke about it mm. and sort of take the viewpoint from someone on the outside and say yeah you know so obviously mm. <laughs> you know like today i'm actually primarily wearing yoga clothes which mm. is what I, it's lululemon <laughs> yeah. all across yeah. uh, and i'm not going to yoga class this no. is what i wear in my da- daily yeah. life they're comfy it's they're comfy <laughs> and you know but it's it's uh, it, they are comfy but to some extent it could also be just the ego and the identity of, i want to be i want to be super fucking woke mm. so, you know i'll 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 drink my healthy drinks in the morning and I wear my yoga clothes mm. and I'll be present and I'll meditate before each meeting. And, you mm. know, I could take it to the extremes. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I I mean, that could, maybe that could also help. Have you heard uh, exp- uh, the concept of psychomagic? No, it's, uh, it's, I think, I'm not sure if it's coined by Khodorovsky, you know, Khodorovsky. Yes. The, yeah. Um, For anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Well, he's uh, mainly director it's also I'm not sure if he's if he actually is a psychoanalyst or if he's just into it and he's into tarot reading and such things. So it's he's interested in the unconsciousness, mm. basically. And he has this concept of psychomagic where you it's not a type of theater because you're not supposed to play someone else. You're supposed to play yourself or play out something within you that hasn't manifested yet in order maybe to fulfill it, but also not to fulfill it. So you know your dark sides whatever you're ashamed of, you could play it out in a safe environment so you're not unconsciously behaving in that way. Ah, And I mean, yeah, because you, you, you know, ceremony, ceremony or, yeah, let's say small ceremonies or such things, they can, you know, be good to manifest something, right? And putting on your little lemon clothes maybe helps you in that <laughs> way to, to bring focus to your, or attention, like, let's say karma, you know, action. In, it's not necessarily karma in the way, uh, causality way that is usually used in, you know, karma means action in Sanskrit. So 
you're doing things and uh, you're not supposed to you're doing things for the sake of doing things you know so you bring in ceremony to your life and you're doing your dishes or whatever is uh, in itself important also not only to get the dishes made mm. So maybe all these things help you in that sense as well, well you know. They do. It could help to, to buy these cushions, you know, yeah. to actually bring your awareness into, okay, now I'm actually meditating. It helps, you know. I you could sit on yeah. a stone, of course. But, uh, <laughs> or, or a regular chair. Right? Yeah, or just sure, on the ground. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with that. Uh, <laughs> because that's... Because we should not only be negative to it, I think. No, uh, I agree with that yeah. too. And I haven't heard of this concept before, but it makes total sense. If I just think about like the, the stuff and the and the rituals and the ceremonies that mm. I surround myself with just in a, on an average day, mm. uh, that's really what that does for me. So, mm. um, you know, how we decorate our home, we mm. have a meditation room mm. that's very visible in the home. Yeah. It's like it's a centerpiece of mm. the home. And, and we have a bunch of stuff there that most of it, there's a lot of incense and stuff. Most of it we never rarely even use, mm. but it's visually present. Mm. So for me, at least, that, that's like a constant reminder of being aware mm. of working on my own presence, all of yeah. these things. And I do, it's the same actually with with um, the rituals that I fill my yeah. day with. So all, partly the clothes that I uh, wear. Um, so it's not only yeah. yoga clothes, even though I'm very, I only yeah. buy clothes from three stores. Yeah, okay. Actually, yeah. I'm really is this sponsored episode. This is not, yeah. <laughs> so feel, feel free to welcome, uh, no, I'm welcoming, uh, Lululemon, Uniqlo and uh, J crew. Those yeah, are okay, the yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> if any of you guys want to sponsor me, I'm open for that, yeah. but I'm not sponsored. No. Um, uh, but to me it's, it's that is also like a ritual like mm. w- what type of clothes i wear mm. and i also tend to be fairly um simplistic uh, in the clothes mm. i wear like it's it's just like plain colors yeah. and very simple that to me is also about working on yeah. my own presence i know another funny uh, perspective of this you know shlava shishik no um philosopher psychoanalysis yeah uh <laughs> he wrote something that was about this in terms of rituals, how they can also be used. Okay, so we had this example of Buddhists, you have this uh, wheel of prayer. Uh, so they go to this wheel of prayer, it's a ritual, and they do something materialistic, uh, so they can think about porn. <laughs> you know, it can also be used in that way. It looks like they're actually doing something. Also, they, they tell themselves that they're doing something, but in the meanwhile, you can do something completely Something different. else? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, too. I mean, it's buying yourself... Not time necessarily, but yeah, I guess allowing yourself to not feel bad about it. Potentially, yeah, and I think, but that also in my life journey, I've really come to realize that that you know the shadow side that we have mm. is not worth pushing away mm. at all. Mm. So maybe that's also the psychomagic kind of thing that you know, if we embrace it all or become aware of it and admit that these. Uh, aspects of ourselves mm. are parts of ourselves yeah. uh, and we can't get rid of them they're mm. just there mm. but we can we can choose how we maneuver them and mm. what we do with them mm. and don't do with them because uh, I, I think a lot maybe connected to you know or definitely connected to the identities that we mm. all carry around and the identity you're supposed to have in a society mm. so now we we're seeing this shift 
into the transformation economy where the identity goes into wokeness mm-hmm. <laughs> in lack of a better word like you're supposed to do meditation mm-hmm. and and eat plant-based food and be present and do yoga and all of these things yeah i hear a lot i should do yoga before. i should do i yeah. should do and that you know that voice comes from like who is telling you that you should do this yeah. it's your inner voice interpreting what society is doing right now so everybody else seems to be doing this this mm. is what i'm supposed to be doing and there's a there's a problem there because we just follow this this made-up identity of what mm. we think we mm. should be mm-hmm. doing mm. and in that we also tend to look ourselves out from the shadow side well and that means i should not be doing this like i should not be eating meat i should not be eating candy i should not be using social media i should not be looking at porn i should not be blah 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 blah, mm. blah, blah all of these things which basically creates on the one hand like a pressure to have this identity that you think you're supposed to be having mm. and maybe to your point earlier that well i'm supposed to be enlightened So um, I'll try to be that. I'll pretend as if I am that, but I know that I don't feel enlightened. So in one sense, Mm. I feel like a failure because Mm. I I can't live up to this identity. Mm. On the other side, I have my shadow side where I I feel shame because yeah, at the same time, I have these things, but I'm not going to tell anyone because they don't fit the identity Mm. that I'm trying to project Mm. to the world. Mm. And then you just end up in a place where you most likely don't feel very good because like, You feel like a failure and you're ashamed, mm. which is not a good place mm. to be. Yeah. I think that happens no matter what the identity is. So I think it's becoming maybe even more challenging in a way now when, when it was less about being enlightened and spiritual and awake and happy and present and all of these things. And it was more about just being traditionally successful, like, yeah, make money, et cetera, et cetera. That wasn't easy either mm. because you never feel like you're successful enough because there's always someone who's more successful. Mm. Mm. Uh, but no matter what the identity, it always becomes a uh, competition. And to some extent, I, can, I think it can be even harder now because uh, I know that in a previous episode when I spoke to Anna Eliason and we talked about younger generations and the new definition of success, she pointed that out, that you know the, the former definition, which is still, uh, you know, the the major one in many places uh, but it's changing is you know money fame social status that that is success um and to some extent that is easier to reach than the new which is like happiness because uh, like money well there's there's like a ladder there's a path you can just work your ass off and you can choose a specific type of profession mm. that will most mm. likely give you money And it's easier than just saying, you're supposed to be happy. I'm like, well, how do I become happy? That's mm. way less clear. Mm. You know? And the school system is not designed for that mm. yet. Mm. <laughs> it's still designed for, for you know, career success, mm. so to speak. Mm. So to some extent, I think it's, it's becoming more challenging. But at the same time, maybe it's making it clearer for more people that, you know, you need to, to, to start listening inwards and finding your own path instead mm. of having this com- constantly outward focus where who am I supposed to be and who am I not supposed to be and let's try to be who, am I, who I'm supposed to be and let's mm. try to mm. uh, hide the things that I shouldn't be. Mm. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. So, um, but can I use, yeah, we'll go, go back to go. You know, what, uh, when we started out with the, we talked about yoga being physical or not or mm. that part, you know, I think it, that can be connected to the discussion about uh, 
the importance of ritual and ceremony. Because there's a paradox there. I think it's quite funny that, you know, people tend to say, you know, oh, but yoga is not physical. They say, you know, it's a spiritual practice. And the whole, the, the whole purpose of this spiritual practice then to many seems to be eradicating the duality, right? Mm. And the unification or, or absorption, which I think is a better word um, for enlightenment that, you know, you say, okay, it's not physical. Then you, st- you create a duality. Yeah. You know, starting with, with saying, you know, if it's already within this spiritual practice saying, oh yeah, it's physical, then I think it's easier to reach that uh, awareness of it. Oh, no, it's actually the same mind and body. Yeah. Which goes with the ceremony thing, um, perspective as well, that it is actually the manifestation or the, the ritual itself that brings you into the spiritual practice. I agree. Yeah. And it, it's And the body is a ceremony yeah. or a ritual, you know, it's almost like a gimmick, you know, it's there. It's a tool. Yeah, it is a tool, yeah. And, and well, it's interesting to hear you speak about this because I haven't, since I'm not a yoga teacher, I only go to yoga classes and I do my own practice. Um, I don't see as much of other people's relationship to yoga mm. that you obviously mm. do because I, I haven't really heard that or seen that fully before. I don't think I've what, actually, what? The, you know, that yoga isn't physical or this divide. Actually, I, mm-hmm. to, to be honest, I don't think I've had many conversations around yoga mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. It's mainly like, I do it and this is what it does for me. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because I speak way more about meditation mm-hmm. and um, breath work and all of the these other practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, what about speaking about yoga is interesting, you think? Um, why it's interesting to speak about it? Yeah, not you know the topic it's such, but you know the how we do it, for yeah. example. I think it's super, for me. For it's, me, yeah. yeah, it's extremely interesting. <clears throat> I can but, tell you why, also why I think. But I just want to hear why you yeah. think it's okay. important so let's, to you. Let's yeah, start with I me. Work, then. But it's like for yeah. me, it's like speaking about work in yeah <laughs> in a good way. I like speaking <laughs> about my work. Yeah. <laughs> let's have the shallow conversation and speak about work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how unwoke of us. Uh, yeah. So. To me, it's interesting to speak about it. I think that um, I don't do it as much because it's easier to speak about a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Yoga, on the other hand, was my one of the sort of things that got me. What is yoga to you? I think it is the holistic um, approach to to the connection of mind and body, uh, where when I think it's shifted for me too. So now I can I can approach it from either side. I can start with mind or I can start with body. Mm. But when I started, I always started with body. That's what sort of got me into the practice. That's how I always started. And um, for the first couple of years, it was also way more physical just because my body was so challenged by it. Mm. It's still challenged. It's always challenged by Mm. yoga, but it's less challenged by it. So back then, you know... Challenging in... Just like... A lot of the positions I couldn't even do. Um, whenever I had done yoga, my my body, you know, was really sore the mm. next couple of days. So I really, f- my my attention um, mainly focused on my body because mm. I felt so much in the body. I felt the boundaries like I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't reach my toes. I can't, mm. you know, stand on my head. I can't do all of these mm. things that apparently other people around me in this yoga class can do. Did you have any expectation or, or ideas of what would happen if, when you were in the pose? 
Um, I wouldn't say consciously that I did, you know, obviously I had this, um, view on yoga that it's not just physical. It's also spiritual to some extent. And it's like borderline meditation to some extent, but I didn't have a lot of expectations. And actually what, what even allowed me to go into it was that I, um, my friend Ashkan Safai, who's also a yoga instructor, had this class that he still runs called Yoga for Guys mm. or Yoga for Guys Who Can't Reach Their Toes, okay, yeah. uh, which was just the perfect way in for me um, because it took away a lot of the, the worries mm. around it. Like, yeah, I can't do that. I can't do any of this. What happens when you can't do it? Um, yeah. So, so these days... Uh, it's not a problem yeah. for me, uh, not to the same extent at least. Mm. But back then, it was I was so performance focused, mm. and I can still feel I'm getting better at it. Uh, but for the I would say for the first few years, my practice was kind of performance focused. Like you know, I want to be able to do this pose just a little bit better, and mm. I'll just stretch it a little more, and I'll just push myself. And I I, I think I pushed myself too hard. Mm a few times because my ego was there and basically said, you, you, you can be, you have to be the best yogi in the room. Yeah. <laughs> that, that thing. Mm. Um, but also if someone is there telling you like, uh, reach your toes or whatever, I don't know. I'm sure what the teacher would say, but yeah, but that, or the floor, I mean, whatever. that's also different. Like if someone pushes me to just like go for it and go deeper into, mm. um, to the post, that's one thing, but it's when it's my own mind mm. uh, comparing myself, not just to myself, but to other people in the room, which, you know, you're not supposed to do in mm. yoga. And these days I don't do it to the same extent. It can happen sometimes, but not as often, but it, it definitely happened a lot mm. in the beginning. And I think it does for a lot of people that you're like, you become really self-aware. Uh, partly because you're doing things that you haven't, your body hasn't done before. So you feel kind of self-conscious being like, mm. okay, I'm standing in a weird way. Like, oh, this is, I've never done this before. And everybody else is doing it, but everybody else seems to know what they're doing mm. and they can keep their balance. Mm. And you know, what if I fall right now in mm. this pose where mm. everybody will, will see and hear. Mm. Um, I think that is, um, however, a really important aspect of yoga. Because when you continue doing that, something happens when you actually, that's a way to learn to not care about that. Mm. In a lot of other sports or workouts or, or practices, you don't have that to the same extent. Mm. Um, and in a lot of other sports, there is actually results connected to it. Like, yeah, you're supposed to score a goal or you're supposed to do this, you know, run fast or mm. ski fast or whatever, or win, win the tennis match. Yeah. While in yoga, there's nothing to win and mm. there's no like clear end result you're never done <clears throat> yeah i think this is the, the one of the main problems with you know having it primarily as a physical practice that <clears throat> an asana or posture is not you know supposed to be exhaustive it's supposed to be comfortable <clears throat> when you do it in a prop, proper way but you know yeah because it doesn't matter how it looks like it's supposed to be steady and comfortable yeah and i think and that if, if you have the physical uh view of it it's like, okay, I'm doing a physical activity. It should feel something, right? Yeah. You should feel something doing it. But here it's quite opposite, you know. When you still the body, nothing happens in the body, right? Because it's still. Well, maybe you feel pain or ache somewhere. But the, the goal is not to feel that, to not feel that ache. So you could go in, you know, be to your mind instead. 
And that's where things start to happen. But people always try to find a new way of squeezing their body or turning the body in, in order to feel something. Mm. Also to avoid the restlessness, of course. Maybe that's also like different steps. Because for me, and I know for a lot of, of the guys that took the class mm. that I've taken, Arskan, at least then, did a kind of yoga where it was Hatha yoga, but he put his own twist mm. on it. And certain, he, he, and I think he, he was right to do that. He sort of used the, um, you know, references to other kinds of sports in it, like mm-hmm. trying to push people like, okay, and now try to do this. And they're like, oh, that's impossible. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you kind of felt really sore afterwards. And now a couple of years later, I understand that, well, now my practice is not about pushing myself. It's, it's mm. fully about stillness. But back then I think I needed that as a bridge mm. into it because my, my view of yoga before having tried it was like, well, this is not really workout. Mm. You know, it's just, you're just wearing comfy pants and you're moving slowly and mm. this won't really do anything. Maybe mm. you'll get a little more flexible, but that's it. But when I got into it, I realized, well, you get really fit doing this. Like your muscles actually need to do a lot of work. Mm. And it, it made sense that that was my first like, whoa, this is actually like hard work mm. um, just to get into it. And then once you, that's with everything, once you continue doing something over time, it, it shifts and you can go deeper into it and understand more of it. Mm. And I'm obviously, you know, far from, from being that deep into it to understand everything, but it, it has changed and shifted for me during the years. And now it's the only, you know, I, I do play a little soccer from time to time. Mm. I do a bit of skiing in the winters, uh, but yoga is the only, it's the only workout I do. Mm. And beyond lifting my my son, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which well, you know, definitely counts. It's good, but he becomes heavier, right? Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. like a continuous workout that just yeah, keeps yeah. going on <laughs> month after month, yeah. increasing weight yeah. <laughs> every, good, every day. That works too. That's another yeah. type of practice. Mm. Um, but how did you, if, if we step even further back, how did you get into all of this, like yoga and? And, I actually and, started the other way around from what I understood most people. Like, like what you say, you, you come for the physical part of it. I, I didn't do it because I also thought from the beginning, I used to play football. So for me, for me, it was some sort of stretch. You know, I, I tried it with my mom when I was like 18 and yeah, it was stretch to me. But then I got introduced to Yoga Nidra. And describe what that is for people. Yeah, I'm going to, um, this was 2012. Yoga Nidra is it's, uh, translated yogic sleep. So it's a type of meditation, a body scan with steps where you're just lying down, the participant, and listening to the teacher guiding you throughout the body. So you go through layers of the consciousness. First, you start with body, then you move more into subtle movements like breath. And um, you also go through visualization of... Uh, it's sort of like a hypnosis, you know, you're going, yeah. you're being led through different stages and you're supposed to visualize and both experiences, but also pictures and uh, events. To, to, well, what happens physiologically, you go through from maybe being in beta brain waves, you know, being very active and you lower down almost to being in sleep and uh, dreaming but you're supposed to be very clear in your mind and awake. 
while doing this. Yeah, and it's uh, <coughs> having done this quite a few times now. It's it's amazing. Mm. Sometimes you do actually fall asleep. Yeah, <laughs> that happens. But you completely, whether you fall asleep or not, my experience is that you you just slowly. I wouldn't say fall down. You slowly roll down uh, through the, the levels of consciousness mm. until you're. You know, if you if you manage to come all the way down, you be, just become awareness, yeah. uh, and then you come back. And my experience is always like, "Whoa, where was I?" And mm. like everything disappeared, not yeah. just the room, but also yeah. Nils, and like everything disappeared. Mm. But I was still awareness. Yeah. So I think it's it's one of it's one of these practices that can actually allow you to touch that to to you know consciously touch that level or those mm. levels those layers of, of consciousness yeah i mean i had never done any this uh, flotation tank yeah i've done that okay yeah but I, i i picture it being like or imagine it being like that almost you it's know? very similar yeah because <clears throat> what i feel it's i come to a place where my body is just floating or more like my my mind is floating and uh, around me things just pop up and i use lying in this ocean looking up the sky that's why i use that i mean if you you've done this a couple of times with me yeah maybe i've done the the, the journey when you're lying in the ocean <coughs> yeah looking i up think to so. the sky and stuff i think like so. that. but that's what i experience when i'm doing it it's very it's actually you know that you pointed out it's actually similar to flotation tank flotation tank will get you there but in a different way mm. uh, so that's basically it's sensory deprivation mm. so instead of you Uh, you know, lying down and then being guided um, to what you do there is you scan and you Mm. focus on different things and that will sort of deprive you of everything else. Mm. And then suddenly you just sort of slide down um, into deeper Mm. uh, awareness where a lot of things disappear. Mm. While in a flotation tank, they take that away to begin with. Mm. So there's less of scanning. It's more that, you know, there's so many things that just disappear instantly mm. because it's fully dark. So mm. if, if you don't know what a flotation tank is, it's, it's what it sounds like is a tank mm. <laughs> filled with salt water mm. uh, that you go into and you lie down and you float around and, and the temperature is like body temperature. It's completely dark. It's yeah. soundproof. You can have a bit of music or just, it's better I, mm. I would say to do mm. have nothing and, and you just lie there and float. And which means that instantly you just have a few parts of the sensation left. Uh, yeah. You'll feel an itch somewhere and, might hear something but you know it's very very mm-hmm. few things mm-hmm. left and once you spend enough time there those things fall away too mm-hmm. um so you end up in a very similar place okay. and then you yeah. also when you when you sort of come back out of it it's mm-hmm. a similar experience of like yeah. where was i yeah. it was kind of like not even a dream mm-hmm. uh just like it was just emptiness mm-hmm. uh for a while mm-hmm. i think that's uh, i think if you would pe- put people into a brain scanner i think it has a similar effect but not being yeah not being sure okay. but yeah. just experience me you know in yoga nidra usually you use something called sankalpa it's an intention so you set intention before the practice it could be something you would like to manifest so the idea is that you put the seed into you uh, during this practice but i do it the other way around because i don't think i'm a little bit uh, cautious with setting intentions while being conscious <laughs> <laughs> so i try to do it the other way around so when i do yoga nidra i want to guide a person to find intention within the practice. So it's like going into this dream state. If you believe in symbolism and dream, 
interpretation and all that. It's, it's pretty similar, I think. So I build this scenario with as little details as possible, but it's like a journey you go through and then you can find stuff and then you can do whatever you want with it. I'm, I'm not saying this uh, uh, clear interpretation to what's happening, but I want the participants coming out from it and like, okay, I had an experience with all these things. How does this make sense in my conscious life? Like you would interpret a dream, for example, or when you wake up, you're like, oh, does this have any bearing into my life? That makes sense. And I think if I make the comparison to plant medicine here, where you definitely set an intention mm. before you start. Um, so I, I can only You speak. could if you've done it many times before. Yeah, I think I that's think. it. I think that's the key. <laughs> yeah. If you've done this before, if you've done a lot of this work, you um, you become better at sensing yeah. uh, the intention. Mm. So you don't really, you know, an intention, in my experience, mm. um, becomes more impactful if it's not set just from a rational point of view, mm. but more based on instinct. Mm. In my plant medicine work, it's always been like that. The intention just gets presented to me before I go into mm. it. And it doesn't come from me trying to figure out what it is or thinking yeah. about like, well, what are some challenges? It's just like it, it comes up. Mm. So I think you're right in that sense that especially if you haven't done a lot of this work before. And I think in yoga, that's way more common. Like mm. when you end up in plant medicine, that tends to be after a while. Mm. <laughs> it tends not to be the first thing you do. It's like, hmm, maybe I should start working on myself. I'll just go into the jungles of Peru. Or maybe now, actually. Yeah, maybe now. Yeah. That, or that is happening. And yeah. everybody has their different way into it. But generally speaking, I think, well, you know, it's obvious that still more people do yoga than plant medicine. Mm. Um so I think that it makes sense that if it's one of these sort of natural entry points into this kind of work, mm. uh, that you would not ask people to set an intention instantly because mm. you don't have the training in how to set an intention, yeah. which is it, it's sort of an art form in mm. itself. Mm. Um, or it's, it's more about actually not thinking, mm. <laughs> just, mm. just listening and then following whatever instinct yeah. pops up. Yeah. And, and, you so do, how I got into this? That's 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 how it started. Yeah, that's the. <laughs> <laughs> now you're playing football and you needed to stretch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. here you are. And here I am. X no, number late. Yeah, yeah number I, I learned a lot of different meditation techniques during the years, and then I started a couple of years ago teaching them because when I was studying at university, uh, I did some breath work and meditation for the other students. How long ago was this? I started 2015. Yeah. You're young, man. But <laughs> no, we're teaching. No, we're teaching. The, the teaching, yeah. No. Uh, yeah, but I'm a little bit younger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old. That's what I'm saying. So that's how I started doing it. I didn't think about, you know, yoga wasn't a big part back then. For me, it was still uh, something. They were stretch still, you know, at that point. But then, because I uh, then I moved back to Stockholm because I studied in Uppsala and uh, abroad for a few years, and then I went back to Stockholm and I was thinking, yeah, I need to do something different this time, you know, coming back. Um, so I was thinking about this for a long time, and then a friend brought me to Urban Om, a place in a yoga studio in Stockholm, uh, and so she said, oh, they have this uh, open night, you can go there and drink tea. She said, so I just joined her. And then it was this info talk about the teacher training. And uh, 
So I signed up the same, the same evening, actually, because I felt, you know, it's a good way to, to find a place in Stockholm and do something differently. And this is interesting because, you know, the, the guy who were presenting this teacher training, I was actually a little bit impressed by him. And this is where, this is where, what, what I'm very interested in, in, in studying now is transference, you know, projecting stuff. And, um, it's a very specific, and I like the idea. Do you know the concept? Uh, explain it. Yeah, I will explain it. So it's a sort of projection. It started with Freud, um, where a woman or a patient to him got in love with him, you know, projecting the, the love onto him, you know. And then it's been a little bit different since then. But I, like, I think this, this is the Jacques Lacan uh, description of transference that when you go to, okay, this is, it could be a yoga teacher, it could be a, a doctor, it could be the, the analyst or whatever, you know, you go because you think that, let's say you are my therapist. I go to you because I think that you know more about me than I know about myself. So I, I give to you the, the power. I think it's actually the subject supposed to know. So you're just subject supposed to know something about me. So I give the power to you to explain my, um, myself. And within this, within this work, I'm, you're supposed to give me back this power. So I think that I'm actually the one in power about myself, you know. I think this is the important work, you know, in, in a lot of different areas, especially for yoga teacher. And what I what I did at that point, I was like, I was giving out so much of my power to this person. I'm not reading it. It's not as it's, I used to see this now, you know. But I was so impressed that oh, can I be like that as well? You know, he has something that I wanted. There was some something with his confidence, like you could see that he was grounded, rooted in his body. There's many things that I projected onto him that I wanted to have, you know. So that's why I did this teacher training. Um, and now I'm very interested in how can I, as a teacher, give back this power, you know. Because I see a lot of people clinging to this power as a teacher but, or a therapist or whatever. I, I, I don't know, because I talked with a friend and she said that, you know, yeah, but this is very narrow, Fredrik. This is not, you know... A big thing in society or whatever it's just i'm in a bubble she said maybe i am I, maybe we can elaborate on this yeah so uh, how describe that bubble what yeah so the bubble what, I, what i for example see is that okay so take yoga then for, ex for example so i go to a class and i think that this person maybe it goes to this being enlightened and you know part of okay this person is enlightened or even this person is sexy you know or i want it, it's it's something you know so you go there because you think that this person can give you something. But what happens when you work with something? You need the money, right? <laughs> In so this society, you still do. Yeah, exactly. So you want the, the people to come back all the time. And it is, okay, so it is love. You know, I, I, if you go back to Lacan and his idea of transference, that um, in, you know, Socrates, Greek philosopher, there's this uh, part where uh, it's not the actual, uh, what's it called, Alcibiades? It's a, it's a Greek statesman. He was, the, uh, he was a little bit uh, vain, I think. He wanted power and uh, stuff like that. And he was, uh, Socrates was his teacher in, in, in the story of Socrates. And he fell in love and wanted to have sex with Socrates. 
That's interesting because you know you always hear that Socrates was ugly. So I don't know why he didn't want to fuck Alcibiades, but <laughs> apparently he didn't. <laughs> you would think that you know he would, yeah. he would take <laughs> the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But you know what he said is that no, no, no. You're supposed to find the truth. You know, not to fall in love with me. So mm. he was guiding him towards the truth, and that should be you know the the method of of being in that teacher. Yeah, to steer people away from that clinging. From yourself, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I guess this love needs to be there, the glue. It's it's the motivation for knowledge and truth, you know, the the love, it seems to be, you know. And this is where the, the problematic thing, when you identify the person instead of the truth. Yeah. Um, that's that's I the think goal, yeah. Now, you, that's really, <clears throat> I think that's really it. Uh, because to your point, we have this, which also I think is a, is a problem regarding uh, the work of spirituality, mindfulness, enlightenment, is that you have all of these gurus mm. <laughs> and people cling to their gurus. Mm. And uh, I think you're really making a clear point here that you know the guru will be your symbol for the truth or the path. Yeah. But if you just stop and stare and cling to the symbol, you'll, you'll, you, know, you won't be able to fully get there because mm. you'll just be focused on that that symbol yeah. and and i agree that that's part of the problem with the current capitalistic system i think you know you see another reference is why you know psilocybin which is now um looking very promising as a, as a medicine as a treatment mm. for a lot of disorders problem to to fully get that into the current society is that you tend to only need one or two experiences with it to treat something instead mm. of 20 years of eating a pill which means there's less money to be made mm. in that type of, of treatment i think that's just a similarity there mm. that and i agree you know if you want to be of service to the people around you you should not make them cling to you mm. uh, they need to find their own path and if you yeah. can like you're saying giving that power back but it's also, uh, so yeah. I want to ask you something. When, yeah. when, you, when you saw this mm. uh, guy uh, that you felt, you know, okay, I want to be like mm. him, was, did you feel jealousy? No, love. Interesting. Yeah. Because jealousy... And I'm not saying love and, oh, I'm this loving person, but not that kind of love. I was like, uh, desire. Yeah. You know, not for, I, I wasn't attracted to him. I didn't want to fuck him, you know, in that yeah. way. But it was like desire for something, you yeah. know. So it's, it's, I think that, and it's, um, aspiration is a word commonly used in, in marketing where I have a background as well. Mm. well when you find these people that other people look up to, they mm. want to be around, they want to hang out with that person, they mm. want to learn from that mm. person. And once again, it's about seeing not the person, but what is the, what, what's the truth mm. that behind, mm. that's behind that mm. person. Because, you know, a really simplistic way, and I think truthful way of describing is that the more true a human being is the more attractive that person becomes because other people see the truth in that person mm. but if you get if if your view just gets stuck on the person mm. then you know it's it's an important tool it's an important way to get people to start walking on the mm. path but they need to sort of walk past mm. that guru mm -hmm. it's like okay i'm gonna follow you mm. but then i'm just gonna pass you and walk over there and, yeah. and keep following my own path yeah so it's more a guide than a guru. It's yeah. not, you know. This goes for activities and plant medicine as well. You can get stuck in thinking that that's it, you know, or that's the thing. But it's, 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 it mirrors you and tells you something about yourself. I had this experience now when I was in Norway. 
Lofoten. Lofoten trekking. Beautiful place. Yeah. So we did one mountain each day and uh, for a week. And uh, the first day we went up the, the hardest climb. We didn't know that. We just read after where it said extreme. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing to read afterwards. Uh, exactly. And we, we figured that out along the way as well, you know, because I'm, I'm going maybe once a year trekking. But I, I haven't been trekking in these kind of mountains where they're like super steep and it's just rising up from the ocean. Yeah. And you look down, it's like, it's, it's literally 600 meters just looking down to the ocean. So the first day we went up this mountain, it was like a f- fairly heavy walking up to a point, maybe after like 800 meters, you were c- coming up to a really steep slope where you really had to climb actually with all like both hands and feet, you know. And then you come up to a plateau where you could see the top. And when we went up there, my legs just started, you know, shivering and my stomach just, <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. You know, I didn't know I was that afraid of heights. And since I was looking at this mountain, especially this peak, and I was thinking that peak is causing me this experience. But, but it's not, of course, it's not the peak itself, nope. you know, because, you know, <laughs> because other people just walk up there. We met, you know, of course, Norwegian people, they were almost running up, yeah. up the mountain. Um, so I was giving away all the power to this peak and I lost my self-consciousness and just felt this, this force within me that was very alien, actually. And I was blaming the mountain yeah. for you're, it. You're projecting it, externalizing exactly, it. Exactly, externalizing it, yeah. And this is because what happened these days was, you know, I was walking up these mountains and it was some cloudy days, which helped me because I couldn't see down to the ocean, yeah. uh, even though we were walking on this very narrow path. Yeah. And the last day we went up, it was clear day. We went up um, uh, on a plateau on a mountain where you could stay there. It was a nice view and everything was happy and um, it's nice. And then you could, I could see some people were just walking up further. And it was so narrow and I was so afraid of you. We can't do this. Uh, but then this Australian guy came and he was so happy. Uh, he was just running back and forth because his girlfriend was sitting with us and he was just looking at the path, you know, if, if she could walk there. And he was literally running and jumping on this very narrow path. You know, you could, you used to have your two feet uh, on this path, you know, and then it just slopes down to the ocean. And he inspired me so much. So he said, yeah, but you can walk with me. So he was walking behind him all the way and it just disappeared, this fear. He just transformed that fear and gave me back myself conscious, you know, yeah. conscious, you know. He gave you back your power. <clears throat> exactly. He was a guide. He was a guide and he was truly a leader in this yeah. way. And he didn't, he wasn't clinging to that role at all. You know, he was just very joyful doing his thing inspiring all of us, you know, following him up this mountain. And that's really the that key, true. right? It was so inspiring. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's, that's what we're supposed to do for each other. Yeah. Like, I think also that, you know, in that case, that was his truth. It's like, he's mm. not afraid of this. No. Uh, this is just the way he is. And his thing is to, to jump and skip and run up this thing that yeah. for other people looks like they're going to die doing yeah. this thing. Um, and I think that's, that's the thing. That's, that's, you know, what we should all just strive to do. It's mm. like, if I do my thing and I do it openly mm. and I, you know, do it with as much love as I can, then, then I'm guiding people. Mm. Then I'm, I'm showing people that you can do this. Mm. And if other people feel so inclined, 
that could help them too. That's mm. inspiration or aspiration. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, well, if you can do it, then I can probably do it too. Mm. And that's how we all, you know, how we all develop. But you need to follow your own path and your mm. own truth. And I think, you know, love, in some cases, jealousy, that's why I ask that, mm. can be really helpful too. Like the people you are jealous of tend to be the ones that you project your own potential onto. Mm. It's like, I could do that, but I'm not doing it. I'm going to be jealous of that yeah. person. And it shows you what you want. Yeah, it shows you what you want. Yeah. So it's, it is desire, right? Mm. And when you just learn to frame it like that, mm. that, okay, this is, this is potential. This is like, I could do this and mm. I want to do this. All right, great. F- fuck yeah. I feel jealousy of someone else who's doing mm. something like mm. that tells me something. It's a really strong signal that I should start exploring that mm. and also look towards that person, not as someone who's like, yeah, you're winning this competition and I'm not because you're mm. doing that and I'm not mm. just in like, okay, you're the inspiration. You're mm. my guide for this part of my path right mm. now. Cool. And to wrap this up, I think I just want to point out that I think to a lot of people, you are that person too. Like to me, at least mm. you're that person in terms of your, your yoginess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your presence and the your, aura, yeah, the aura, once again, what, the what fucking col- aura. What color? <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, I don't see auras in color. I, I sense them, right? It's a different thing. You I, see them in mathematic. Um, I don't see them at all, okay. even though I'm very visually driven. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's just, um, it's more magnetism. To okay. me. It's like, I'm yeah. just drawn yeah. to people. So maybe in a, a few years, I'll yeah. start seeing yeah. auras in colors. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. So uh, before we wrap up, you're doing um, yoga teaching, you're doing retreats. Uh, where can people find you? Like, so if people like your voice, like me and Fabiana love your voice, that's mm-hmm. why you do yoga and yeah. with you. It's like, you have a really good voice for these kinds of things. Yeah. And maybe someone listening has felt like this guy has a nice <laughs> voice. So <laughs> where can they hear more of that voice? Where can they, where can they find you? Hmm. I mean, if you want to go to an open class, I would recommend Urban Om. Or even because I work at Satsas, but if you have a Sats card, you can you can do yoga with me there. But Oberam is it's one of my favorite places I work at. I would say. Um, and uh, the retreats? Do you have a website, stuff like that? I don't have actually, but my Instagram. So uh, the Instagram. That's is... where I put all my information. Yeah, Edlund Yoga. Edlund Yoga. Yeah. So, yeah, so check that out and I know you're doing a retreat in the south of Sweden this summer Estelian, yeah it's in two weeks in two weeks so yeah. when this, this will this episode will be out after that oh okay. sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just missed it yeah no but worries but there might be yeah. more of those retreats yeah. um, uh, cool anything else you want to sort of bring up or share before we wrap up I'm a little bit curious you know about uh, the name Dying Podcast you know remember I asked you it's called Dying Podcast because you you plan to like terminate it soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I can, I can um, for people who haven't heard all of these episodes, starting yeah. to be quite a few now, I pointed out in, I think, the first and a few more, but um, worth mentioning, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's for a few reasons. Partly because of just the insight that everything you create, as soon as you create it, it has started its death process. It mm. has started dying. So this is a dying podcast. It mm. will end at mm. one point. Yeah. Uh, thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Finally. And then, <laughs> so that is, it's yeah. dying. Like it's literally a dying yeah. podcast. Then I've also spent five years dealing with my own relationship to death. Mm. Uh, and that was really, really present when I started this podcast. And now it's, it's different. I've come a really long way um, in that. So if I were to start it to 
day I may may have called it something else, mm. but that's that's partly it too. Uh, and obviously, we're all always dying. Mm. Um, uh, who knows? There there is probably an ego in me doing this. Uh, I'm partly doing this because I want to have these conversations and I just want to get my thoughts out. But there's also the ego is always there. It's like, well, it's nice if people listen, right? And mm. and to some extent, it's also uh, uh, hopefully a gift. Why is that ego? Why it's there? Hey, oh, what do you mean by saying it's ego, by the way? Um, and ego is, you know, the the ego in me believes that there is something, someone called Nils who exists mm. and he is important and mm. he wants to be. The ego wants to be important. I want to mm. matter. Uh, so I want to do things that, uh, that matter that other people think are good or that can you know last beyond my death mm. and that's sort of what I was getting to that you mm. know this is a recording that most likely will be available in some dark corner of the internet even mm. after I, I'm gone mm. so the little ego in me is like mm-hmm. it's good to record yourself because that mm. you know it will mm. prolong your existence mm. um, but but that's just the ego uh, it's it's a, it's a dream it doesn't really exist but partly it's for my son and any future kids. Like I want, I felt starting this that you know how should I record what I learn in a way so I can hand it over. Uh, so if he mm. one day feels so inclined, mm. there's a bunch of stuff to listen to, yeah. and maybe that will help him on his journey and mm. path somehow. Uh, so yeah, those are the various. Various reasons, and I think I just also just like the name "A Dying Podcast" yeah. because it, it brings up a lot of questions yeah. for a lot of people. Sure. And some people just come there uh, or join, come on the podcast, and think we're just going to talk about death, oh, okay. which oh, we do oh, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, most of the time we don't. Yeah. But death and life is one and the same, so mm-hmm. it's like that's what we're talking yeah. about. Good. <laughs> I hope that explains. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you, Frederick. Thank you. Uh, for being a friend and for coming on this podcast and I feel there's more to dive into I always feel like "Ah, I want to talk for two more hours Uh, but you got to stop at some point and uh, to you guys listening as always thank you for listening Um, make sure to check out Edmund Yoga and if you want to do some really nice yoga work very expensive he's extremely expensive (laughs) and after this episode it's going to be even more expensive yeah yeah I'm doing this for the money (laughs) he's only in it for the money (laughs) it's true though it's true yeah so if you want to spend your money uh, on this yeah. extremely expensive yoga teacher yeah. i could recommend yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and especially uh in uh, to be serious uh, the yoga nidra that you do is amazing yeah we do things as we have time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah always, okay. you know, i mean time. we have this sufi flow which i this you know my dream is just to do the sufi flow maybe yeah. so explain <clears throat> the sufi flow yeah the sufi flow is me and arsalan arsalan plays uh flute guitar it's called Oud, I think, what he's playing. And uh, um, sometimes sings during the class. And then we do first a flow sort of yoga class, very physical, not very physical, but it's physical. And then Yoga Nidra. So it's a two-hour event. where And he do. just plays. He just plays along, in, along the class. And it's sort of like, a, it feels like we're a band or something because we're both sort of improvising while doing it. Cool. Um, do you ever record any of your classes? We, we did it once, yeah. But when I did the Yoga Nidra, I, 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 I put my mic away and then took it on again. And then the sound wasn't that uh, good. When I, yeah. So it's not a good, uh, but that's my s- favorite class doing, you know? Yeah. I just love doing that. It's the best thing I, okay, so I know. Sufi flow. Sufi flow. Yeah. Edlund Yoya. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And thank you. <laughs> uh, I haven't tried that. So yeah. I, I'm going to do that yeah. uh, as a next step. And um, yeah. 
to you guys listening as always i will see you or you'll hear me next week take care